Welcome to Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. We'll be giving our thoughts on a season as a whole, responding to some listener feedback, and then discussing some possibilities for Season 3. Of which we literally know nothing. Yes. And we don't even know when it will be released. I know that some people are speculating a January release. Before that happens, the new Picard show is going to be aired, which they've started work on, but I have not been able to find an air date for yet. I think if they were planning to release in January 2020, they would already be filming. Quite possibly. So I think that is a pipe dream. The Picard show has a 2019 release date. Like, I think it's it was fall 2019. Um, they're either sitting really close on the title or they haven't come up with a title yet. Because mm. uh, it's all just being referred to as the Picard show. I presume they're not going to air them both at the same time. So they're going to wait till season one of the Picard show is done. Yeah, and I think guess. that... I, again, I didn't have... Well, I tried to find it, then, then all my browsers started crashing. Um, there, The animated series, the Lower Decks one, is supposed to be coming out as well, I think, before mm-hmm. Season 3, but I haven't seen an air date on that. Now, since that one has a completely different flavor, I could see them running that one concurrently with other Star Trek properties. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to want to take away any of the hype from the Picard show. So. No, I, I wouldn't think so either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And didn't but, I just saw today that they were talking about a CG animated one? Is that the Lower Decks one, or is that something else? I Well, there's multiple animated ones in the works. So there's the Lower Decks one, mm-hmm. and then there is one that will be aimed at a younger audience. And that one is focusing on not as much Starfleet. There's going to be some teens on a planet who encounter like a crashed spaceship kind of idea and so there's those two i also heard that they are planning some short treks and that two of them will be animated interesting very okay so here's my question about all this Mm -hmm. do you think they're overdoing it i think a little Or, like, does it feel to you like maybe they're just desperately trying to catch up with Star Wars? Um, I don't know so much that they're desperately trying to catch up with Star Wars specifically, but I think they're trying to become another universe. Yeah. Because there's Star Wars, there's Marvel, um, DC, they all have these multiple properties, and are doing pretty well, you know, by the looks yeah. of it. So I think that they're really trying to, like, jump in on that. Hmm. Well, I hope some of it works out for them, because it's starting to sound like maybe they're spreading it a little thin. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also wondering, like, part of what makes these universes work Mm-hmm. is it's not just the shows, it's also the marketing and the license materials and, you know, a whole host of things that help 
you know, feed off of each other. So mm-hmm. they're and I'm seeing the online properties, but I have not seen much big like marketing or licensed materials being pushed out. Well, I can see where there they'll they'll be more like toys when the animated series is out. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that type of thing. So I think it's and the licensing is like a complicated, like multi-layered thing. Because right. I know in the past there have been like a single toy company would license the rights for it. And then that toy company decides not to produce any things with it, but it still has the license. So things aren't being produced. And then, but the the people who own the bigger IP, like they have to they still can't license it because there was an exclusive licensing contract, you know? So things like that make it extra complicated. And I know that there's things like Starship lines for enthusiasts who collect. There's some t-shirts. There's starting to be some broadening things, but it's not really, I feel like, mass market. It's still just, you know, things that are marketed toward the, the ultra fans. So... Yeah, but I wouldn't say that they've yet done anything in canon that would appeal to not ultra fans. Like, there isn't really... Like, I can see if they do a kid's cartoon, then they can have action figures. You know? And that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, like, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who wants, like, a Burnham action figure. Uh, no, I don't. You know what I mean? Other right. than super fans. Right. So I don't think that they've yet made content that would support the bigger licensing the stuff. So right. I think it's smart of them to sit on that for now. Until That's a good point. until there's more stuff for them that would actually sell. Right. Uh, to a larger audience. To a larger audience, yeah. Anyways, we will wait and see. I do not know which of the new shows if I will be watching for sure. I will at least check them out. And we'll definitely be checking out the kids' animated one. Right. So. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't feel excited about any of them. We haven't really seen any, like, footage or have any idea what they're going to be like. But at the moment, I'm just like, this doesn't sound like good ideas. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being pessimistic. I did read a little bit more about the Picard show. Um, just when I was trying to find if they had set a, a firm release date for it. And it does interest me a little bit more now because it seems to be picking up on the events from, well, the, this is the dissolution of the Romulan Empire. And okay. so I think that could be interesting because they haven't really done a lot in canon about the Romulans, especially not when compared to like the Klingons, for example. Right. So that could be interesting. I'm a little more intrigued by it now. But yeah, we'll we'll see when they actually start to have some trailers and things. I don't know. For me, the whole bringing Jean-Luc back into the mix just feels like a money grab. So I'm just not interested at all. Mm. I am sort of vaguely interested in the Section 31 show. But mm. really, that's just because I love Michelle Yeo. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm. I was just a little... uh, What's that thing? Biased? Not biased. <laughs> oh, we have double standards. Uh, hypocritical. Hypocritical. Okay. About people wanting the Picard show just because Picard is in it. But right. 
That's just how I feel personally. Mm-hmm. But um, future shows that we know basically nothing about aside, let's talk about season two. Overall, you know, just the season as one whole thing. What are your real quick, like five words, thoughts? Yes, no, good, bad, you liked it, you didn't like. Short and to the point. I liked it more than maybe I should have. Okay, okay, I like it. Or I like your reaction. (laughs) Mine is more like, could have used more Reno. (laughs) Well, yeah. I'm not going to argue on on that. I'm sure we're all in agreement. Yeah. But also with like a side of, could have used more logic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So from that, jumping into who was your favorite new character or actor that was added this, whichever way you want to go with that. Like if you liked the actor better, if you liked the character better, but a new one that was added this season. Okay. Uh, That's really hard because there wasn't anyone who was added this season who I disliked. I didn't particularly care about Serana. Serona? Saru's sister. Serana. Oh, so so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Serana, okay. Okay, so let's let's just go over who we're we're talking about when we're talking about the season two people. Because I was thinking more like recurring actors. So I was Oh no, anyone. Like, so we've got like Pike, anyone. we've got number one, we've got Reno, we've got uh Tilly's Queen Friend. Right. We've got Non, Commander. Non, yep, Con- Commander Bread. Uh we've got Tilly's ghost friend. You just ignored my bread joke, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, the, her ghost friend. I completely forgot about uh, her. Yeah. Her mushroom ghost friend. That's right. <laughs> How could I? <laughs> really? Uh, we've got, in section 31, we had Leland. Right, right, right. Uh, Burnham's mom. Did we say Spock? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- <laughs> because Spock is such a Star Trek character, I, I didn't even think of him. As, like, I didn't think of him as a new actor, but I guess... Obviously, he is. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's... That's pretty much well, it. Oh, we've got Linus, okay? We've the alien Linus. Oh, yeah, sneezy Linus. And uh, then Lieutenant Nilsson as well, I guess. I have no idea who that she's, is. She's the one who's, like, replacing... Oh, right, 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 uh, right, right, right. New yeah. Arium. New Arium, yeah. Well, new old Ar- You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so my my favorite, uh, I'm gonna go with Reno. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that more the character or more the actor? It's both. Gotcha. I think that the combination that I liked the character, I like the actor, is what's gonna seal it for me. Because again, like a lot of the performances and things like that, like a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. We're really good in season two of all the additions. I don't know much about a lot of the actors mm-hmm. to to make it swing one way or another for them. Gotcha. Mine is also Reno uh, with like, obviously. I don't think anyone listening should be surprised yeah. by either of us saying our favorites. Um, but with like a close runner up of, of Spock, now that you've reminded me that he is also a new actor, just because he did such a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, oh, I, I, I should clarify, beard Spock, yeah. not okay. clean shaven Spock. That was, all right. that was no good. I mean, I think uh, uh, Pike is 
really up there at the top for mine as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, making me enjoy a character that I previously really hated. I also enjoyed him, but uh, I, I don't think he really brought anything fresh to the show. That's why I didn't choose him. True, true. I think he did a really good job of melding that um, 60s sort of Captain Kirk-ish flavor yeah with and then the writers took out a lot of the really really sexist elements and he just embodied that really well yeah so yeah all right so jumping off from that who was your either favorite returning character slash actor or who you felt was the most improved from season one either with acting or just like how their character was written or anything like that um i'm leaning toward burnham just because I liked her story so much better in season two, I think. Mm-hmm. Although, okay, let's see. So there's Burnham, there's Saru, there's Tometz, there's Culber, there's Tilly. There's, um, Giorgio. Giorgio. Uh, you know, who I thought you would say without thinking right away. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. Ash Tyler. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even say that without laughing. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, okay, so all of them, okay, no, I'll I'll revise that, actually. I think Doug Jones would be my favorite. Okay. His character arced, his character, because of what happened to him, really changed from the, be- like, season one to season two. Right. And the changes make sense to me, whereas, like, with everything Burnham's gone through, her her act, like, the way she's written, sometimes still doesn't seem to make sense to me, and it may just be I don't get her, and that's fine. Right. Yeah. But so while I did like her better, like I like all of them better in season two than season one. I don't think there's a single uh, character or actor's performance on the show who I think got worse. Well, hmm. I think they gave less to Tilly this season. Yeah, I thought so too. But I I would say that Doug Jones and Saru was probably my favorite. How about yours? For mine, I would, I would, uh, I don't think I'm just saying this because I love her, but I think Giorgio, because I really mm-hmm. liked what they gave her this season, mm-hmm. and I liked seeing her because she's she's evil Giorgio now. But they didn't just. I feel like they did a good job of keeping her as like an evil Terran dictator in this new situation, but didn't just make her a crazy evil lady. They gave her, you know, things that she wants and things that she cares about and that sort of thing. And I think they did a really good job with that. And I think uh, Michelle Yeo did a really good job with what she had to. Mm -hmm. Like anytime that she was doing a good thing for Michael, I believed it. And not just that they needed it for the plot. Right. They made her actually care yeah, and then anytime she was doing selfish things for herself, I mostly believed it. There was one that I didn't I didn't think. Oh, which one didn't you think? Oh, the one where she was listening to Leland and uploading the data to Section 31. I don't think she would have done anything for that asshole. She didn't... Why would she have? I get that they needed that for plot reasons, but she. I don't think she would have helped him. Hmm, okay. At least not unless she thought it was going to further her own agenda, and I don't see why it would have. See, with that decision, I don't think it was so much that, like, 
I mean, Section 31 has a mission. She has to do a lot of things, even when it doesn't particularly further her own agenda. So I thought that was one where she would have been, like, neutral on it, but done it because it was part of, like, just part of the mission. I don't know. Leland seemed pretty secretive about it, so it just struck me as something that she would have picked up on not... I don't know. I just didn't buy it, personally. Mm -hmm. But everything else about her, I did. Gotcha. Right. Do you have? Did you have a favorite line from the whole season? A favorite, a good one-liner. A good one-liner. Okay, so the I don't know if it's my favorite or the best uh, because I didn't really have time to like do a complete rewatch or you know think exhaustively about it. But the one that keeps coming up for me mm -hmm. is that's the power of math, people. <laughs> Which. Yeah. yeah, just just makes me laugh, and I'm I'm sure I will enjoy employing that with my children as they go through their school years, right? Very much. So that's that's the one that's been sticking for me. So how about you? I, you know, maybe it is just because it was in the final episode, but I really loved uh, Reno's. You know, get off my ass, and then sir, get off my ass, sir. <laughs> That one is I just, also really good. It was just acted so well because I, I you know, like the look on her face when she realized what she'd said and trying to fix it, but really not trying that hard to fix it. And yeah, I, that one was pretty good. I just really liked that one. And it, it was a good bit of levity in the midst of everything kind yeah. of going wrong there. I was, I was just going to point that out too. And it was an, it was an in character levity. It wasn't like they mm -hmm. gave somebody an out-of-character thing to say. I really believe that Reno would, like, slip on that sort of etiquette. Especially in that situation, because everything was going crazy and it didn't really feel like protocol was the, the number one priority. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I did really like that one. Yeah, that one was good, too. So, before we reveal what our favorite episode was from the entire season, what do you think this season could have done without... What did you not like? What would you, if you had a magic wand, get rid of? There are definitely a few parts that I would have either had l like less of. Mm -hmm. um, I think a few of the episodes were too were too stylized in their direction, where the directors were really doing different shots or angles and things with the camera because they could, and were like overdoing it. So I could have used less lens flare, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a few episodes, I didn't make any particular notes on specific ones, but where I felt like they were doing a lot of like just different camera things to do different camera things, like each scene almost. Right. Um, and so, again, I just felt like it was maybe too, a little too much for for my preference. Um, I could have done with less Ash Tyler. Um, and like certain things that didn't necessarily make sense. Like we still kind of are scratching our head about how the seven signals appeared and then, you know. Right, yeah. With with, with like all those timeline things. Like I would like to have come to the end of the season going, oh, and having it all click together. Gotcha. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, how about you? Mine is difficult because I really 
intensely hated the episode where they brought Culver back to life. Like, it was just bad. I want to scrub that episode from existence. But I love Culber. Right. Yeah, that one was very, very stretching on the science parts of... And also, like, the entertainment. Like, it was... Like, when they just stopped to talk for 20 minutes, even though there was, like, this intense countdown. uh, Yeah. It was stupid. That was probably the worst example of it in this season. Yeah. There were a few other times, like in the in the end, where it's like, oh, we have to launch in this battle. Hey, Spock, let's chat. Yeah. It was like, this is not the time to be having a sibling chat. So, yeah. And uh, the use of, like, the, the Katra beacon for communication, they used it again this season. I'm glad that Burnham's in the future now, and... <laughs> They could effectively put it to rest. Yes. No, I didn't like it. It was just, you know, fabricated out of plot necessity. And yeah, no, I didn't didn't like that. Hmm. I'm trying to think of anything else. Nothing else really sticks out. Like there were other things that I didn't particularly enjoy, but I don't want to scrub them from existence the way I do that episode. Right. Right. And I yeah. I think as I as I rewatch more, I will get a better feel of some of the larger overarching themes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um but at this point when it's still so fresh, that's that's mostly how I feel about that. Gotcha. I will say lens flare doesn't bother me. I know. <laughs> and like a little bit doesn't bother me, but like there were times when it was like, oh, do they just have somebody running around with a flashlight back there just so they can make sure they've got a light in the right spot? Do you have anything like that where you've either like on first watch, you're kind of like you feel one way about it, but then as you think about it more and watch it more, you grow to either intensely hate it or love it more? Um, yeah, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is season six of Buffy which I hated the first time I watched it um, Mm -hmm. when I was like 16. But Mm -hmm. then when I rewatched it when I was 19 and out of high school and experiencing a lot of the same things the characters were experiencing about being like, is this what adulthood is? (laughs) I don't know. Then it just, it clicked with me a lot more. Right. And it's, I really love it now. So. Okay. So I have a few things where it's more like the opposite happens. You rewatch like them I and watch you hate it, and them? I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And then the more I think about it, the more I think about it, I'm like, no, no, that's bullshit. I don't like that anymore. <laughs> I will anyway. say there are some TV shows or movies or books even that like I will enjoy because they're fun. But then mm-hmm. as soon as you like like deep dive look- at all, even just like shallow dive, it's like, hmm, actually, this yeah. is piss poor garbage. Yeah, yeah, that's not really about Star Trek, so let's move on. All right, so what was your overall favorite episode of season two? Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit mm-hmm. and say my favorite episode is the two-part finale. Interesting. What makes it your fave? Everything came together. It had a really good epic space battle with good special effects. There was some really good character moments between Burnham and Spock. Um, there were some really good character moments overall as people were, like, saying goodbye and, you know, realizing the importance of each other to their lives, like with, uh, Stamets and Culber. Uh, yeah, it was just, 
I'm looking through the list of episodes and it was like going like, oh, that one was kind of good, but. Right. And this one doesn't have a, a really big thing that's sticking out as being like, except for this. I mean, I think my biggest complaint about it is the stuff with Ash Tyler being on the Klingon ship. Right. So. Which didn't make sense, but still made for a good scene. So I can understand why you would brush that aside. Yeah, yeah, and that was like the the Klingons in that uh sh- in the end there mm-hmm. were like my favorite discovery Klingons yet. Yeah. Like totally made sense with the Klingons that I know and love from the future, so. Gotcha. Yeah. So, my favorite episode, which is kind of sad because it implies that everything went downhill afterwards was the premiere. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I just, with kind of a close second for um, the one where they, oh, I don't remember a single name of anything. The one where Spock, okay. where Spock, where Burnham takes Spock back to where the cage took place. Oh, that one was If Memory Serves. That's, okay. I, I thought it was that yeah. one, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, um, and the premiere one was Brother. Yeah, Brother. And that one was really good as well. I just, I thought they... I don't know if they were just trying real hard because it was the premiere, but I thought the writing was really tight. The action was really good. Special effects were great. You know, it was a bit of a longer episode, but it didn't feel like it. It felt like everything was just go, go, go in Mm. in a good way. I remember when we recorded that podcast that both of us were like, yeah, this is a a good, strong start to season two. Yeah. And I still feel that way. And I really like yeah. that one. And it introduces Reno, who, you know, as we've covered, is the best. Yes. Yeah. And it did a good job, like, introducing the the mystery of the season. I think in general, season two versus season one, the overarching plot was held together better. Mm-hmm. And more present throughout the season, with still having a good sort of mid-season twist. Right. I also enjoyed, um, well, I just really liked Michael in that episode. I thought she had a lot to do, and um, Sonequa Martin-Green did a really, she just did a really good job in that episode. And uh, It's episodes like that where you can see that she really can carry a whole show when mm-hmm. she's given good stuff to work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And in mem- if memory serves, I just thought they did a really good job of bringing the two aesthetics and shows and and that sort of thing together. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I really liked sort of seeing the beginnings of adult Michael and Spock's relationship and how even though they were still kind of not on good terms at the end of that episode, you could still sort of feel the siblingness of them. So that was really good. Gotcha. So speaking in more general terms... Uh, did you think season two was better than season one? Or which which should you think is the best season? You know, overall, I would say yes, they've improved a lot since season mm-hmm. one. But it's just because of the way everything ended without making any sort of sense, that really puts a damper on it mm-hmm. as like an overall story. Like, if we had any idea what the signals actually fucking were, or how they happened, or... And it, like, this is the thing that started the whole 
the whole story, these signals, and we still don't really understand. Like, I don't, I don't understand how they work. I don't understand what's happening. Like they were, yeah. you know, like, and I, I don't think that's like a mystery that the show has left. I just think they, they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. You know, so it doesn't feel like there's more to find out. It feels like poor writing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it makes it difficult for me to say if one is better than the other, just because of the way things ended in season two. They also feel very different to me, which makes comparison hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Me. It's not like looking at other Star Trek properties. Um, like people will talk about how, you know, season, the first few seasons of next gen weren't as good as the rest. But when you look at the seasons of next gen, they still really feel the same, like the same overall show. Mm -hmm. And this one to me, like it, season one and season two feel quite different to me. And season three, I think is obviously going to have a different feel as well. And I don't know if that's just part of the uh, nature of the streaming environment and how, you know, they're telling stories more as like, this is, this story is this season and there's this other story and that's this season and things shift a little naturally. Mm -hmm. Or if it's something they're going for intentionally. I don't really mind how different it feels. No, I don't I don't mind it either. It just makes the comparison difficult. Right, yes. So I mean, I guess like if we look at the progression of the main characters, I um I do think season 2 has gotten stronger. Mhm. Mm and yeah, I think I like season 2 better overall. I think I would say season 2 has more individual episodes that I really enjoyed. Oh, I don't know, actually, when I put it that way. Season one had a lot of good, like, maybe the overarching stories in both were a little weak, but a lot of the individual episodes I enjoyed. Uh, season two did yeah, not have a giant tardigrade. <laughs> well, that is true. So that's a strike against it. That is true. See, I like the overall story of season two better. Like, I like the exploration of AI, and even though I'm not a huge fan of time travel, I liked it better than the season one story of like alternate universes and and right. all of that again going together i do 100 percent like the overarching story of season two better but it had such a weak ending because things you didn't think make made sense yeah because i think they just sort of gave up on stuff so i i so it, for me it's hard to say hmm. okay i am very excited for season three but i i genuinely I just do not know what is what which one I would say I liked better. Okay. That's fair. But you're you're firmly in the season 2 camp? Yeah. I would probably say that as well. Probably. I was going to say the other thing that has me leaning in favor of season 2, I think, is even though it was had more Star Trek original series canon stuff put in, mm -hmm. I liked all of their choices a lot more than any of the season one st original series canon stuff that they put in. Right. Because, like, season one had mud, um, and even though his lo time loop episode was one of my favorites, mm -hmm. 
he's still like when you think about the character overall and how they just like let him go with no consequences at the end and all of that kind of stuff mm. it's like really he, you know he was plotting to like take your starship and murder people and all that and you just let him go yep um you know, I, I didn't like that aspect of it, whereas in season two, they had, like, Pike, they had number one, they had Spock, and I think that they actually did it, did something that was very precarious incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And even looking at the overall fan reaction, you know, a lot of people like what they've done with it. There are people calling out for a spinoff with Pike and number right, one yeah, on yeah. the Enterprise, right? Like even just the design of the Enterprise, I think they did a really good job with. Yeah, and if you look at when they went to the Telosians, and if memory serves, all of those, you know, uh, recreations of Vina and all of that, again, were done incredibly well, and that they did it so well, I think, really goes to show how much the production team does love Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Did we want to get into some feedback? Yeah, we had a couple of bits of feedback. Uh, one was in response to when we were talking about number one's name. And uh, so Steve Supersonic Jeffrey, who is at Zinc Stout on Twitter sent a link to a comicbook.com article that talks about the origin of Number One's name. And while it was Una, uh, and they did confirm that they said it on the show, when the, art the article actually goes on to explain that it was actually from a book trilogy that first came up with that name. Yeah, I read the article, but I will try to remember to link it in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. But I still don't remember them saying it in the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I didn't have time to, like, comb through the last few episodes, because I think it was in the last three or four episodes that it came up. Um, well, if anybody wants to I'll let me know when it was said, because I'm an idiot, apparently, please inform me. I'll try and... Make it my mission on hiatus to track it down. <laughs> I'm adding it to my to-do list. <laughs> and then the other uh, bit of feedback we got was from Matthew Vose on Twitter. And he says the question is pretty much for me. Um, but he asks, of all the artificial, such as the Doctor or Data, or super beings like Q, Wesley, Odo, Cisco and the Prophets, etc., that might be alive in the far future. Who would you want to see on season three, a la Pike and Spock? So, yeah, this one's tough. Um, I'm not sure anyone is standing out right now that I would want to see. Except, perhaps, Q's child. I'm getting all sorts of random spoilers that I do not understand at all. <laughs> That's okay. I love the idea of Q. Q is my favorite super being. Mostly because he seems to just, like, come in and do shenanigans and then leave. Which keeps his superpowers kind of in check. Otherwise, he would be 
an unbalancing force in the universe. But John Delancey is getting older, and that's part of the problem with the artificial or superpowered beings is that they don't tend to age. Yeah. Or at least they don't age on the same basis. So I had this problem even with Data in the movies because Brent Spiner was aging and no longer looked like the original Data. But since we know that the Q are a continuum and there's multiple beings, I think it might be fun to have Q's child show up if they can get the right kind of actor that would capture a similar John Delancey kind of spirit for it. See, I was going to say, I would like Data to show up as long as they recast him. Mm. Which I'm sure a lot of fans would be upset about, and maybe the actor who would be upset about also, but I I don't care. They've shown that they can do a good job on recasting and still keeping that same, you know, original look and feel and and spirit, I suppose. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. although you could argue about Data's spirit. Anyways, whatever. Well, Data doesn't have a spirit necessarily, but he definitely has a personality and a character. Yeah, so... Right. That's what I would like. If they're going to do anything like that, just just recast them. Just recast them? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean... <laughs> I would love to see the actors have a fucking meltdown on Twitter. <laughs> I, I was trying to, with my, you know, very limited knowledge of the actors and their personalities, I was trying to think if Brent Spiner would have a problem being recast. I mean, they didn't have to face this problem with Spock because, of course, Leonard Nimoy passed away. Mm-hmm. But he's been recast before, so I don't think he'd mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. He worked with the actor um, whose name Zachary is... Quinto. Zachary Quinto. The one time I will remember a name and Jen will not. I don't know how. It was a miracle. <laughs> you saved me. Uh, but yeah, they worked together uh, for when Zachary Quinto played Spock for the Kelvin mm-hmm. Movies. And I mean, okay, super being aside, obviously the person I want to find the most in season three is Prime Lorca, who could easily have slipped into some sort of, I don't know, time wormhole, blah, blah, blah. He's magically there. Right. That is that is totally a possibility. Or like if, uh, because Georgiou has to get back for her Section 31 show. Right. If she does go, like if they do go back into the past she might opt to go and save Prime Lorca or do something like that. Or she might not opt to do it, but she might end up doing it. Yeah. Anyways, Prime Lorca. I just hope they don't do, like, too much time travel. Well, well, do we want to transition into our season three predictions? Yeah, this does seem like a good spot okay. to so start. So we know that whatever happens in Calypso still has to happen. And that seems mm-hmm. like time travel. Although, I guess I guess that might not even be connected to the current crew. Like, that might just be something completely different. But why would they have made it the Discovery, then? Hmm. So, anyway, well, oh, that has to happen. I think that is definitely connected. Yeah. But it... it well, does this... Does, in Calypso, does the ship say how long it's been waiting? I think it does, but I don't remember what it, what it said. Okay, okay. So we definitely could link the two still. Yeah. And we know from Calypso that there is conflict in the galaxy. There is war happening. Right. And the Discovery getting caught up in any of that could make for some future seasons story arcs. Yeah. And they still have the spore drive, right? They do. 
which it turns out the only problem was Culber being in the spore mycelial network and not the actual use of the spore drive itself. I guess, whatever. I know. Shaking my head. Scrub it off from existence. So other than that, I don't know. Like, I got nothing. I want Prime Lorca, obviously, but that's like my own little pipe dream that I'm never going to let go. Mm-hmm. And I want, um, I, I want to know what's happening in Calypso. And that's it. I got, I got nothing else. I mean, I guess they might go searching for Michael's mom. Mm-hmm. But I don't, well, I mean, I'm not a TV writer, so they could be just better at it than I am. Because I have no idea what purpose she would serve. What purpose Michael's mom would yeah, serve? Yeah, I don't know. Like, now that they've, like, I feel like they got everything that she had out in that one episode. So I don't really know what the point in finding her would be. Like, from a plot point of view. Okay. Unless something big is happening in the future and she knows about it. Right. Um, I'd actually like to check in on New Eden. Yeah. I, I was going to bring that up. I would yeah. like to see, see what's, how they're all doing. Yeah, see what's happening there and... See about the evolution of their, you know, combined religion and what that society's like. It's possible. Okay, we don't really have any idea how this time travel works. Because they changed to the future that, that, that Burnham's mom first saw. Because they did stop control. Right. So... So it's possible her mom will be there. But it's also possible that maybe her mom, like, blinked out of existence. I don't know. Yeah. I I hope they do address that. Yeah. And, but- and so I guess... I guess then the future of the Calypso could be different. Well, I would presume that 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 the Calypso is uh, was written to fit into whatever timeline they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Because if they still like if Control was still alive and they still had the sphere data, they wouldn't leave the ship just sitting around. Well, not for that long, maybe. Yeah, with nobody on it. Right. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the future looks like, what Burnham's mom knows and remembers if they do find her. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know, from what we saw with their, I don't think they're going to get terribly creative with their time travel because they don't, they just haven't. Right. So I assume if they do find Burnham's mom, it'll just be the one that got bamfed away and does know and remember everything that happened and not like a past future version or blah 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 which would be more interesting because it would be but as we've seen they're not terribly creative with their time travel right yeah no you're it i don't know why but it had not occurred to me until you said it that the future that mom burnham had seen and gone to originally Mm -hmm. would should be different now yeah so she might even be in like an alternate universe that in which that future still is or something. I don't even know. Oh, right. But again, I don't think they're that terribly creative with their time travel. Man, my brain's having a hard time with this now because I'm feeling stupid. <laughs> I was all like, well, what are they going to do in the future? There's not much there. There's just like, but it's like, no, no, that was the future where everything was destroyed. This is going to be the future where everything lives on and isn't wiped out. So, yeah, it'll be like, do they rendezvous? Is is their future Starfleet? Yeah, actually, I uh, guess there might be. I guess Starfleet would know what. Oh, no, I don't know. Would they? Oh, shoot. I was thinking, but Admiral Cornwall is dead. Mm-hmm. Well, they did classify everything. Like, they 
you know. Although I guess Section 31 would know that right. that the Discovery was going to pop into existence in the future. So they would so, be able to keep track of that and maybe like send someone out to greet them or something. I don't know. And then it makes sense that they could do a Section 31 show in the future. Yeah. Because if everything is still there and doesn't get wiped out, then they could very well pop into the future and there's like a Section 31 ship waiting to... Yeah. You know, because they know... They know roughly when they went into the future. And, and so. where, because of New Eden. Yeah. So we'll see if they get met by a greeting party from Starfleet. And yeah, okay. That opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. So they might get to do a future version of the Borg. I know the costume designers were really looking forward to that, if they could work it out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the Borg, incidentally. I like that we just um, talked about how well of a job they did incorporating some original series stuff, and now you're like, no, <laughs> no more. It stops here. <laughs> yes. The line has been drawn here and no further. That's a quote, I believe, from Star Trek Nemesis. Anyway, that's when Picard is like drawing the line, it goes here and no further. And that's appropriate, since that was the Borg movie. Yeah, my mind's just kind of reeling now with all the future possibilities. Yeah. About who they see, and, I mean, if Starfleet is still there, they could just, like, get retrofitted with new engines and new crew, and then go on Starfleet missions. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Now, there is also the possibility that, like... Because in Calypso, they don't mention Starfleet. The guy does not recognize it as a starfleet ship this is true but that's also after it's been sitting for a while so it well we'll see if there is still yeah so i wonder if even in the like if in the future starfleet doesn't exist anymore or if it's evolved and called something different now right like if starfleet joined forces with the klingon empire and they joined like started a new coalition and part of the agreement was that they would be called this now what was the like what's the farthest forward in time star trek has been star trek canon uh i i'm not gonna be able to quote you the star dates or anything no but okay so they were jumping what was it 950 years into the future yeah so like what like okay um so Discovery is 10 years prior to the original series which happens like a hundred years ish mm-hmm before Next Generation. Mm -hmm. Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager all overlap. Right. In their timelines. Okay, so So they're all about the same time. So it's about, give or take, 800 years after our... Seven or 800 years after our... After our last sort of canon. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a whole shit ton could have changed in that time. Yeah, I mean, even linguistically. Yeah, they're not going to do that. No, they're not. But I think because I'm a language nerd, I was like, yeah, languages evolve over time. And like what they were speaking 900 years in the past might not sound anything like what they're speaking 900 years in the future. And uh, although I would actually like it if they had a minute where like the translators didn't work and they had to, you know, learn, like learn what was happening first or something. Yeah. Or like they had to like recalibrate them and the computer had to like analyze a language sample and like, yeah, catch up. That would be good. Like. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but... No. 
they're going to have their little like flip phone communicators and everybody in the future is going to be like, oh my God, what is that ancient thing? <laughs> it's going to be like uh, find going through your box of old technology and finding like your beeper yeah. or something, right? But like more so, it's going to be like finding, because it's 800 years, it's going to be like finding a quill and ink and being like, this was cutting edge. No, it's going to be like finding um, uh, telegraph equipment. Mm. And, like, not even knowing what it is. Yeah. Right? Quill and Ink, at least, like, um, they have art and artists in the future. They have, right, they have that's some true, sort that's of true. I was thinking of it thing. as, like, from, like, a technological standpoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be funny, I think. But also, one thing that I really like that they've done with this, and I don't know if it's actually good, I just like it from their point of view, because mm-hmm. they've kind of gotten, you know, gotten their, gotten, oh, I don't remember how that eating your cake too phrase goes whatever you know what i'm saying have their cake and eat it too yeah there we go because they got to do some pre original series stuff and now they get to do some completely new stuff too so they Mm -hmm. got to have their Mm -hmm. in canon fun and you know getting Mm -hmm. uh cameos from favorite things and that sort of thing and now they get to jump ahead and be like actually we're just a continuation star trek series and I mean, they still they could get cameo performances from any of the actors who are still alive because it's in the future. They can just be so and so playing the descendant of so and so. Right, you know? that's true. Um, and and I think a little bit of those would be cute for an episode here or there, but I don't know that I want an entire season with an actor like that. Although, not unless they make it yeah. like their own character. Like if it's not just a cameo for this season, but they have like 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 they did with Pike. Mm-hmm. They brought him on and he was his own thing. Right. I mean, that was easy to do with Pike though because Pike had like two episodes worth of material. No, that was in show yeah, canon. Yeah, yeah, but if if it's this. a descendant of somebody we know, then that can just be like a fun fact about this new character that we have on the show, right? That's true. And they, the Star Trek world has done that before with a character. That's all I'm going to say, so I don't spoil it for you, Kate. Oh, I don't care. Go ahead. Okay. And you'd never actually watch this anyways, but um, Brent Spiner sort of played an... Well, okay. Brent Spiner played Data. He also played his evil android brother, Lore. And he also played the creator of the androids, Dr. Noonien Singh. And then in Enterprise, he played um, that character in either Noonien Singh as a younger person or like the ancestor of Noonien Singh as right. well. So and so it was it was not exactly like a an ancestor of Data, but it was it was done well, and he was his own character. It was it was good. So it does sound like he's the type of actor to be really upset if they recast Data. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know why this we'll see. tickles me. <laughs> Maybe I will I will tweet the question at him on Twitter and see if he responds to us. Like just <laughs> how would you feel if they recast data for season three of Star Trek Discovery? Good? Bad? <laughs> would you have a meltdown for Caitlin's entertainment? <laughs> Although I mean like he's m- more likely to show up in the Picard show because like, that would be within that character's actual timeline. Right. That would make sense. But, like, and so, like, I don't know if any of those next-gen characters are feeling a little annoyed that, you know, 
Patrick Stewart's the only one who gets called upon. I, well, I mean, What's-His-Face seems to have a good directing career, and he might make some cameos because he directs jo- Star Trek episodes. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes, yeah. yeah. He's- I was thinking Alex Frakes. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know either. But yeah. Yeah. So, season three, more than we thought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be lots of speculation and fun theories. Mm-hmm. Swirling about. My um, timeline predictions are the end of 2020. For when we actually see yeah. this? I don't know. Uh, Discovery, for an online streaming show, has apparently had incredibly good numbers, according to all of the like online data aggregators. Right, but they haven't finished, they haven't started filming yet. That's that's what I'm talking about. As far as we know, no, I know but- they might not have finished or started writing yet. I don't know if they're going to want to lose the... No, I agree with you. I just don't know that they have a choice. Right. Okay. We'll see. We will keep people updated uh, as news becomes available. We do have to discuss one more thing for season three, Kate. I just remembered. Okay. Who's going to be captain? Oh, I hope it's Saru. You hope it's Saru? I hope so, too. I I don't want it to be Michael, which I I don't want it to be Michael yet, let's say. I think she still has some growing to do. Yeah, and um, I'm a little torn about it because, again, it's like... Like we were promised like, a, a woman of we color being in a- charge and now there's going to be another white man. Yeah, I, I agree. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> but I, I agree completely. But I also just feel like it's still Burnham's show, even if she's not the captain. Right, yes. And she's still yes. really good. And I'm I definitely want her to be the captain eventually. And I feel like maybe that's where what this show is about, like moving her towards her captainhood. Right. right. I also don't think she'd want it right now. I could be wrong. It would be weird between her and Saru. Right. And I don't want that. So I want Saru to be captain. And you agree? Yes, I I think Saru right now is a lot more ready to be captain. Mm-hmm. And thinking back on it as well they said they were going to be doing different things with this it was going to be focused on a woman like it's going to be focused on not the captain right it wasn't going to be about the captain so i think that they still have a lot more uh stories to tell that don't focus on a captain yeah and that's another thing if 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 we keep michael not the captain it's a easier way to focus to keep her in- interacting with the rest of the crew on a more personal level, which she might not be able to do if she was captain. That's right. And and I think that the, the dynamics between her and the other characters would be different. Yeah. And I think the other characters really ha- are going to have a part in helping her grow. Yeah. I do. I know I just said I didn't want this, but the drama between her and her and Saru, if she was named captain, could make for some good shit. But I, I don't think they're going to do that. That's true. Well, they might... Oh well, my god, I've I changed mean, my maybe... mind. Reno for captain. <laughs> there, I have to go through and look up all the ranks and things like that, because she might actually be the senior most officer on the ship tied with Saru. Reno? Oh. Yeah, because she's a commander. Oh, right, yes. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think she wants to be captain. It's funny because, like, with your favorite one-liner, where she was yeah. like, "Get off my ass, sir." I'm like, "Are we? Are we wondering why she isn't a captain yeah. yet?" <laughs> of- All right, so, so we think Saru's keeping the chair. I think Saru's keeping the chair, or season three is going to be about 
Burnham being in the chair and realizing by the end, like, having it change back to Saru. That could be an interesting story. Mm. I hope they don't do it, but it I, You know what? I could good. actually I see, know. and I really hope they don't do this, I could see, like, Starfleet or what have you of the future assigning a new captain to, to help integrate them. That could be something that goes on as well. And there could be new cast yeah. members, new crew mixed in there like, as well. I think well. it would 100% make sense for them to do that just from, like, we've gotten a new captain as a new character every season so or each season, whatever, both seasons um, so far. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't do that again. It's their defense against the dark arts yeah. position. But I, also, but I also do think it would make sense from, like, a world point of view. Yeah. So yeah. if it happens, I won't be upset, but I hope it doesn't happen. Though, from a world point of view as well, they could simply appoint a liaison officer, like who's a bridge officer. That's true also, As yeah. an advisor. And then, because in Star Trek canon, at least, you know, in Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, they do sometimes comprise specialty crews where there's, like, an entirely Vulcan Starfleet crew. Right. And so this could be an interesting, like... We've decided to keep you all together for, you know, these reasons and... Oh my god, for, like, morale, at least. Can you imagine? They've just lost everyone they've ever known, and, oh, now we're gonna split you all up. <laughs> yeah, true. Although, what sort of military organization would receive a crew that's come through this and be like, and you get a week off and we're sending you out? <laughs> well, a television one. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, so, Jen, do you yes. have a recommendation for our listeners that will keep them for the month that we are taking off? I do. My recommendation is the animated Netflix series Troll Hunters. So it's available, you saw in Canada and Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's still available in the U.S. on Netflix. It's a Netflix series, so Netflix oh. wouldn't take it down. That's right. I just remembered the DreamWorks logo. Um, so yeah, it's called Troll Hunters: Tales of Arcadia. It was created by Guillermo del Toro, who is apparently it's based on a book that was created by him and Daniel Krauss. And it, I just finished all three seasons, and of course Guillermo del Toro and uh, Doug Jones have worked together in the past. And one of the voice actors on this was Anton Yelchin. Uh, he actually died partway through the production of the series, but they'd recorded enough dialogue to keep using his voice. Uh, but they did have to hire another actor to voice it for um, parts of, I think, the third season. And yeah, so I recommend that. It is a fun series. I really enjoyed it. And you should check it out. Okay, okay, interesting. I started watching, or I've watched the first episode a while ago, and mm-hmm. there was more than one fat joke, so I stopped. Oh, yeah, that was my least favorite part of it, is that there is some uh, fat shaming elements of it. Um, so, yeah, it's not a perfect series, and that almost turned me off at the beginning as well. Okay, but it was worth it to stick with it? Yeah, and I don't think they kept, well... The different body sizes don't stay as a main issue for the character. Like, they don't keep making fat jokes. Okay. And 
throughout the entire thing because they're too busy doing all the other stuff. So, yeah, that would be my, my biggest detraction from it, is that it does have some body issues. Okay, okay. But yeah. Do you have a recommendation? Um, okay, I have... My recommendation is kind of one I've given before, but... Whatever, I'm gonna do it again. Season two, Shira. Yes. Watch it. Oh. It's short. Okay. Um, but they, uh, or the showrunner, Noel Stevenson, has said that they they sort of aired season two early when they had these seven episodes done, and then season three is going to be the next batch of episodes, That and those two seasons together were originally going to be, like, season two. So you're getting the same amount of episodes in the same amount of time, just you're getting the first half early. Yes, and my husband is making us wait for season three before watching it. You know, you can just say fuck that and watch it. You're your <laughs> own person, Jen. I know, I know, but... Um, you don't even have to tell him. Yeah, I haven't, just watch it I, without him. <laughs> I haven't even had the time to, to do that, so it's fine. It's seven episodes. Anyways, <laughs> it's really good. Um, they have this really, really great episode. I mean, all the episodes were good, but they have this really great one that I love where they really invert like um like a stereotypical coming out story on television <laughs> and it's it's really good oh nice but they nice. like it follows a lot of the same beats as that but it's not about coming out as as gay or anything like that <laughs> and it's just really good it's funny uh somebody brought up uh gender reveal parties on twitter a while back i can't even remember who and um <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Maybe we should just have like a gender reveal party when your child is actually ready to confirm their gender. Because I just think it would be way more fun to go to like a, a teen or preteen or 20 year olds or however old the person is who's like celebrating the fact that they, you know, right, are yes. affirming their gender is this or this. And then buying them the shit that's actually useful for them at that time. Jen. As women in I our just... 30s, could we have gender reveal parties? <laughs> start a trend. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We got to start this. We got to be like, like, you know what? We are affirming that we are completely party, register for those expensive bras that actually fit. Or if you're like oh. needing to change things around, register for like the, the expensive binders that will help you feel more comfortable with your body or like the clothes that will affirm you or whatever it is. And then all your friends get oh together God. and like, bring you presents. Like for a wedding when they have that, like, donate to our honeymoon, you could, like, donate to my surgery or whatever. Yes. If, if surgery is something you want, obviously if, not everybody wants that. If that's something that's going to be affirming for your path, then yeah. that's what you do. That'd be cool. So, yeah, I recommend, uh, well, I recommend both seasons of Shira, but I'm pretty sure I've recommended season one before. Uh, season two was really good. Um, there's a lot more with Swiftwind too, the rainbow flying horse. Everybody <gasps> loves Swiftwind. Oh, yes, I do. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, okay, another thing that I really like about that show is that by the end, I was almost like, man, the villains really need a win. You know, and you don't, you don't feel that way about a lot of shows, about the, the villain side. Like, I was, like, I felt bad for them. So, <laughs> y you know, I think it's just really good writing that you feel for everyone on the show right um all right so as i said before we will be back in the first week of june so yeah that's all for now 
If you have questions, feedback, or comments for us on Discovery Season 2, Discovery Season 3, or just random other stuff that you want to hear us talk about, you can get in touch with us on our email, a command of her own at gmail.com, or you can tweet to us at command of her own on Twitter. And you can check out the things I will be sharing on Instagram at instagram.com slash a command of her own. All right. And we will see you all in about a month. Yeah. Uh, subject TBD. Yes. Bye. Bye.